This is the EPLOG audio experience. How does a young founder prepare for their startup pitch? And what role does a city play in startup growth? How is AI transforming the world we live in, especially career opportunities for young people? And how do people view young people, especially women, in the technology and AI startup space? Hello and welcome to Voice of Achievers with me, Yashika. Today, we're talking to Rimjim Ray, the co-founder at Spotl AI. India's largest AI-powered career platform for millennials. She's a serial entrepreneur based out of Kolkata and is also an executive director and investor at social impact edtech startup Wiseau Learning. She's also been the co-founder of a digital advisory firm called Unmarketeer, which is now called N7 Consulting. Now from computer science to MBA to AI, edtech and now social impact. She's been recognized as a woman of influence, one of the top 30 women tech entrepreneurs and one of the top 50 technology voices on Twitter in India. It's such a pleasure having you. Thank you for being on our show, Rim Jim. Welcome. Uh, thank you, Yeshika. And it's such a pleasure being on Voice of Achievers. Women entrepreneurship, women in technology, women in AI and women in Calcutta. What we want to do is peel this off layer by layer by layer. But um, before that, as a young individual, tell us, did you begin as an entrepreneur? And if you did, what was your first startup pitch like? Uh, right. So, you know, I, I belong to a typical middle-class educated Bengali family where the word business is taboo, you know. You talk to my father, he is still, uh, you know, he's still aghast that why am I, you know, why am I not doing a stable, respectable job and why am I into business? Chakri keno korbena, you know, that's the basic. Chakri keno korbena. So they are very, you know, so my mother always says that they are very progressive. So she doesn't tell me that government job karo. She says, no, Tata mein kaam karo. You know, work for a for a large blue chip company the companies that are you know that have been there for ages but i don't blame them you know that's that's how you know we have this we are very foolish on education you know kolkata people or bengali people in general and we're not really money makers or we're not really entrepreneurial you know it's, it's the, the, the the thing that has been ingrained in us ki padhai karo. that's it that's, that's the goal is. yeah yeah so i studied and i studied i think you know to an extent this entrepreneurial thing started when i was in uk you know i went for an interview at imperial london and this, uh, the dean there was taking the interview. And he said, what else have you done, you know, apart from studies? And I was kind of stuck because I studied, studied, studied. And then I walk, walk, walk. And uh, he was said, all right, you people are very studious, you know, from India. You people are very studious. It's not like that here. At 18, people would drop out and they would go on a world tour. And I interacted with my classmates there at Imperial. I met with a lot of other, you know, classmates from other colleges, like in London Business School, etc. And I saw that, you know, people there are kind of inherently entrepreneurial. And I started discovering the thrill of entrepreneurship there. Okay. I seeing that I loved pitching ideas. I started saying I loved creating. And creativity and entrepreneurship started getting interlinked. You know, can I create something? Will people, you know, can I create something independently, independent of all the company labels and all the college labels that have been narrated so far? So that's how I think, you know, entrepreneurship started building in. 
Uh, back in India, me and my husband, Jyotirma, he again also belongs to a family, you know, a middle class, very educated family. Similar innovations at his home. We discussed this a lot, you know, should we do it, should we not do it? And suddenly we took the plunge. When it took the plunge, we were nearly not, you know, we, it's not that, you know, we had a lot of thoughts, we had a lot of preparedness for it. It's just that somehow it felt right. So startup pitch, in fact, was pretty easy. In fact, you know, it was ridiculously easy as opposed to all the hard stories that, you know, we hear. So we had just, this was, I think the year was around 2015. We had founded a service platform, intelligence service discovery platform called Frappers. And we pitched our idea to an Hyderabad-based angel. It was more of a sit-in pitch, pitch. It was not really a stand-up pitch. You know, it was a drawing room pitch and we almost had an instant buy-in. Okay. Now the startup pitches are easy. And I think why it worked was we were very clear in where we were, what we wanted to achieve. It's another thing that, you know, spot will be at later pivot, but at that point of time, we had absolute clarity. Second, what worked for us was the relationship capital. This was a person who, with whom we had built, we had a strong relationship capital. He trusted us as a team and he invested in us, you know, so we made quite a good investment in our first angel investor pitch. And over, now we have probably done another end pitches after that. Some of them have been easy. Some of them have walked and have not walked at all. Tell us about one uh, or two moments that were difficult as a young entrepreneur giving a startup pitch and you feel that something is wrong. Ha, so, you know, there have been plenty, plenty of difficult ones. Uh, so, you know, so investors, see, they're putting their hard-earned or, you know, their uh, kind of their portfolio money in you, you know. Uh, so, 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 they will be asking a lot of difficult questions. They will be doing a lot of probing, you know. So I think one, so the, the reason I said about the easy pitch was, you know, what worked for us was that relationship capital. And that's some lesson that has stayed with us. You know, people finally invest in people. Right. You know, so, so building the trust factor become very important. It's not that we have not been rejected. You know, I think rejections happen more than uh, successes happen in the startup world. But what we have done is we have consistently built those relationships and we have worked on a story a great deal. Yeah, you know, so it's very important that you understand your story correctly. If you can't explain what you are doing, the problem you are solving and how you are solving it in one line, you probably don't have the story clear in your head. So, you know, investors have a lack of time. Uh, investors are looking at thousands of pitches. Invest, there are so many people pitching to investors. So I think the important thing is being uh, crystal clear in your head on what is the problem you're solving to how you're solving it and why you. If you have the answers, if you're very confident about the answers to these questions, you could probably turn around most investors around to your side. If not, you should probably work on it more before you even go for investment. And second, I think work on building that trust. You know, and I, when I'm saying trust, it's not just networking. I don't, I don't just mean networking. So if there's a commitment you stand for, if there's a certain brand that you're building around yourself, you have to stay very, very consistent. You have to deliver to your committing every time, every time. So the first time that you give a startup pitch and building that trust factor, how do you do that? Because, you know, how do you showcase that you are someone who delivers on time and is a consistent performer? Right. So, you know, so this is where your past record comes into, you know, comes a lot into play. Okay. Uh, what have you done before? You know, can you, uh, uh, has there been demonstrations in your, um, you know, in your previous uh, stints before you turn an entrepreneur? Because, you know, when you're going for the first time product, investors most likely do not have enough information to evaluate your technology or your product. You do not have enough traction at that point of time. Right. What they think is you. And they're evaluating another very important thing is the relationship between the co-founders. Okay. So for a very interesting point. Yeah. So how cohesive is your co-founder, co-founding team? 
So for us, three people had started up. It was me and uh, my husband, Jyotirmay, and we also had our friend, Mosu, who we had been, you know, friends with for quite a long time. So that that, that part of it was answered that, you know, uh, we, we, we are people who know each other pretty well. Second is, you know, we kind of went back into our lives and I figured out, you know, how does each of our background add to what we are doing right now? Nice. Yeah. For instance, when we are building Spotel and we are building it as a, as a, as a, you know, in, a, in one line, we are building it as a campus to a corporate platform, you know, for, for millennials. So how well we understand the corporate world. So each of us had operated at that level, you know, we had worked in global companies. Uh, we had paid, you know, Mosum, for example, had patent in his name. Ajotima and I had global careers. I had, you know, studied in uh, an imperial, as I said. Uh, and so in each of our previous days, we had done something. I'm not saying that you know, it's all the brands. I'm not saying that you know, it, ha- it has to be an IIT brand or an IM brand only. I mean, they probably make the storytelling easier. Right. But have you done something, you know, like, you know, so they go back to how you write your SOP when you're getting into an MBA admission. Right. Right. To show proofs of what you have done, you know, how we have shown integrity, how we have done things within a, within constraints. So go back into your past life and, and take examples from there where you have done, you know, where you have done, where you have delivered. Talk about that. Uh, a LinkedIn profile, I think a well-maintained LinkedIn profile is very important. Having a strong network on LinkedIn is important. Uh, making sure that, you know, your, your story is told right there is important. So all these factors kind of show up and present a cohesive, consistent picture of you. After that, you know, when you go and, you know, investors, I think, are among the sharpest people. Uh, that's why probably they're sitting on the other side of the table. Uh, most of the time we have seen that, you know, there has been connects, you know, how you, how clearly, how confidently you're telling your story. You know, that, even if that's the first interaction, even if that is the first interaction, that leaves a very, very strong impression. And more often than not, you know, we, for example, have a re- repeat investments, you know, most of our investors have reinvested in the companies in, 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 in subsequent rounds. How did we manage to do that? So we have, when we have signed up saying that this is the milestone we are going to deliver with the money you are giving us, we have tried and stuck to that promise. And that has built for us, you know, a market reputation for us. And of course, after that, your word of mouth spread. Once you have a first of investors, they will probably bring in the next set of investors. So it's, it's all a word of mouth that happens for you. Tell us about the challenging, you know, one or two challenging moments during a pitch. And how can one be better prepared for uh, that moment when you are hit with a question and you really do not know whether it's going the right way? You know, there's no easy answer to that. It's all situational, you know, in, in, in my mind. The question that most often comes, uh, you know, so so you so you are you are a you know you're a new startup, you've just been there for six months, you've probably just launched your product, and you've probably got you know maybe four or five customers, or you know, if it's a B2B one, maybe for B2C you have got your first hundred. So 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 some of the questions would be you know, how do you know this works? Right? How do you know that you are the right team for to scale it up? And as I said, it's basically the conviction with which you answer. Mm. The other thing is, you know, I think I think the problem that I see with most entrepreneurs, and I'm not trying to be judgmental here, I mean, of course, everyone has a different perspective. But if you're building a startup purely for funding, you know, because you think that you will get a lot of funds and you're going to have a easy life after that, it, it doesn't work that way. Okay, you have to. Startup, yeah, you have to build a company because you inherently believe that uh, you inherently believe that that problem exists, and you inherently believe that you are the right team to solve it. You know, I think if this match happens, that you understand that problem well, and you understand how you are going to solve it very well, I don't think there are any questions on a you know on a startup table that you cannot answer. 
so because you you know you've built and in fact even invested in a couple of startups mm-hmm. um even if this is an approximate value okay tell us how many months of gestation period as a startup founding team before going for that pitch so you know again you know this this varies from team to team okay. right so i i believe that you know you should have build your product uh, you should establish your usp and you should you know achieve some amount of traction when i say traction that you know you you discover customers who are willing to pay for it you know so that is clear in your head and you actually go i'm not saying that you have to go with a lot of revenue it's not that you have to go with the close but you at least show that you know you your product is able to make money beyond your friends and family right however soon you give this i think you can you're ready to go for a pitch because i think it's very important that you know so investors are not going to invest in you to develop your capability right they are investing in you because they believe or they've got the proof that you are capable and now they are putting in money to scale up so how am i establishing my capability i'm establishing my you know by by having my initial product rolled out i'm showing that there is a market need for it by having paying customers and i'm showing a product market fit if i am able to get that product market fit right and the only way i know that there's a fit right is there are willing to pay customers i think that is the right time you go for a pitch okay i you know now what uh, i want to come to is the city what uh, again excited me and rather interested me was the city that you began in where we talk about startups we often end up talking about a bangalore or a gurgaon or even a bombay very rarely does someone hear a startup a tech ai startup based out of calcutta tell us how easy or difficult is it to begin um this journey in the east and how what role does a city play is what i'm trying to get to with respect yeah. to opportunities absolutely see you know i was based in bombay you know so after coming back to india from uk i was based we were based in bombay where i worked at leo burnett it's only when we started up that we decided to ship to calcutta you know now many people have raised eyebrows so you know so i i was kind of guessing and i'm happy that you asked this question but i think after having been in calcutta after being in you know in our, in our start on our startup journey here for the last 7 uh, years i believe that kolkata is underrated you know so it has got the best food affordable real estate and some of the brainiest engineers so i mean if i'm doing a tech startup where i'm going to spend a lot of effort on developing original ip i think that this is a real this is a really good place to base your tech headquarter out of your real estate cost will be much lower your human capital cost would also be much lower and you are going to get a plethora of talent here you know so brainy engineers all around agree you know bangalore etc your nagurgaon or bombay they are better you know, from the from the you know point of view of market or investor access so we also have our headquarter and a tech team at calcutta and we've done most of our marketing based out of, out of bombay and pune you know, we also have a outfit in pune where one of our co-founders is based so you know in a post pandemic world the physical locations have become more or less irrelevant you know for a digital startup so you are basically you know you're anyway uh, doing most of your businesses over zoom and i see this as a great opportunity you know for 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 you know a city like a calcutta or tier 2 cities like a mysore for example to get back the talent that mysore okay you know so i, I in fact i you know the, the the reason i said mysore is one of my friends are recently shifted back to his you know back to his roots in mysore and you know he's running out a, running a company out of there huh. and he's saying in a 
pandemic world, it doesn't matter. And it, it doesn't mean that I have to be based in Bombay. Calcutta, interestingly, and I was just speaking to the IM Calcutta incubation head today morning. And I think this Calcutta is a wonderful gateway to the East. You know, we have done a lot of work, in fact, uh, with the unexplored Northeast part of India. And we have also gone beyond to the Asian markets. You know? So tell us actually how the, how, uh, you know, if you can give us a glimpse as to what the Eastern India market is like for a startup, you know, the top three challenges and the top three benefits. Uh, so the top three benefits I think I've given you, I think it's excellent human capital. Uh, secondly, it's a, you know, a much more unexplored market. So if you're looking for blue ocean, there are a lot of blue oceans here. And third would be the, you know, third would be, of course, you know, lower cost. Challenges, of course, you know, so the startup ecosystem or the investor ecosystem is not so well entrenched here. So most of your investors might not be based out of this part of the world. You know? so, so, so for that, you have to, again, travel to a Bombay or a Bangalore where most of your investor headquarters are. Because of this chasm, you know, and, and I'm talking about a pre-corona world where, you know, physical locations mattered a lot. Uh, probably startups from the East had a visibility problem. And I think, you know, it's, it's, that is a problem that we have to solve. You know, we've got... Uh, Excellent people based out of here. We have got, uh, uh, and as I said, we've got unexplored markets here. One thing we have, we, we have definitely, I think one problem that we definitely see is the lack of investor visibility here. That problem, if you're able to solve, I think, you know, the East, the time for the East has come. You know, it's, a, it's time for the East to rise. Talking of rising and talking mm-hmm. of rising for you as a woman, I know as cliche as it sounds, but women don't really have it easy, uh, you know, with respect to having their way in startups, in the work world in general. I want to talk about uh, women in AI and women in technology particularly. Tell us what your experiences have been and what are the challenges and how can one be well prepared if one wants to be a woman in the technology or AI startup space? I'm sure. And again, a very opportune question, you know, because so, so there's a lot of buzz right now when Falguni Nayas Naika is a profitable unicorn, it's one of the biggest IPOs. But the sad so part, you know, Rimjim, is that uh, you can just count them on your fingers. Stats are still skewed, right? You can hardly name women. So, so admittedly, yes, and of course. Uh, so, as I was saying, you know, traditionally, we have not had enough role models for right. women in tech. Yeah, but I think the digital revolution, you know, is, is kind of changing all of that. Um, you know, so, so, so there, are, there are super companies that women have launched in the last 10 years or last 15 years. You know, take a Mobiquick and, you know, an Upasana in India. Take a Bumble in the USA, which again had a, you know, strong, very strong uh, NASDAQ launching. I think women intuitively understand the digital space. But what you have to correct again, like as I said, you know, East has, you know, brilliant innovators. East has a unexplored market, but East does not somehow have the investor, you know, investor connect. So that, that, you know, so one very important part of a startup or any enterprise is funding, you know, the access to funds. You know, I think it's extremely important because without capital, how do you scale? How do you build large businesses? And there again, I think there's been a lot of bias, you know, uh, unconscious bias, conscious bias. I think the stats also say that about less than 10% startups founded by women or with, with at least one woman co-founder has got funding. Now, I have myself been to pitches and I'm, I'm saying that you know, I've been one of the most fortunate or privileged ones, you know, 
but even then i have seen that bias you know i've seen that bias even in interviews you know just yes, just this morning me and jyoti mai were discussing that you know whenever there is an interview on technology you know if there's an interview if a journalist is interviewing us on technology they tend to ask all the tech related questions to him and then he has to correct them and say no she is the one who looks at product okay so you know an unconscious bias also has limited visibility which has limited so unless you are getting pr attention unless you are getting media attention right visibility rise unless there is unless your visibility rises you know investors might also give you a pass plus there's all this bias right. we need to democratize visibility and funding fund access for women and the rest of it we can do you know i think we are capable enough that once you have uh, you know once you've lifted this kind of unconscious barriers we are able to storm forward but unless you know unless if you but if you are kind of inhibiting women women if you are saying if you do not have the right Uh, atmosphere or the platform for her to thrive then obviously you are losing out on a lot of talented women who could do so much more right personally i am doing a little bit you know i'll still say some is this is very little bit for the you know for the women entrepreneurship ecosystem in Come the on, country come on that's just being humble you no know, i i am barely, barely scratched the surface so i invested and joined the board of this all all women social impact company called white is lovely yeah we are said we are told that we shouldn't make too much noise but to thrive in this business world yashika i think we should be making more noise okay. it's not just you know, going to give you that seat at the board atam baithiye aapko jaake wo seat lena hai you have to storm in and take it. so mujhe lagta hai ki the onus is on us we have you know, as i said the time is time for the east to rise is also time for the women to rise and that rising has to happen with us you know we we have to take charge so sure. what is you know that one challenge apart from the and uh, uh, you you've told us about the unconscious bias and how can one be better prepared for this is what i'm trying to figure out i think you know what what women uh, what we and how we can be better prepared is we have to understand money better yeah and we have to overcome the cultural barrier that you know women are not good with finance or women are um, you know are not 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 good at negotiation a barrier hai. this is not true look at look at banking right you know Indian banks may from a Arundhati to a you know to to to, to the CEOs of uh, HSBC etc. Banks are ruled by women, right? So so it's not true that women do not understand money, but this is a myth that has been propagated over time. Now to build a business is very important that you learn how to handle money. Six-year-old daughter and I'm trying to you know and this is there's a lot of conflict that's happening with the grandparents. I'm trying to teach her about money and entrepreneurship and business and that you know it's okay to ask for money if you are doing some you know doing good work and you're able to transact. So I'm trying to teach her all of that. I believe that you know I, there needs to be more education and at an earlier age. Yeah, at an earlier age. Start early. Don't tell you know women. You know I think it's not always you know Bengali parents are very progressive. but it's just that you know uh, and this is this is a phenomenon all over the world people pass on all the hard lessons to their sons and they tend to protect shield their daughter you know usko you know you don't have to tell her too much about money she doesn't have to understand a lot about business but i believe ki ye barriers this barriers have to be this is not just a corporate problem i believe this is a cultural i believe this is a societal problem so the change has to happen from grassroots as uh, women asses you know kind of take it to take charge of this we already understand a lot of other things we understand relationships well um, you know most we have our engineering degrees we are trained we are trained in technology if you are also able to understand the money part and the finance part of it well i think this completes the this completes that entire set of skills you need to establish and you know kind of grow 
large businesses i'm hoping to more women women thriving especially in the ai business uh, talking of ai see ai is has become the buzzword so to say and ai is transforming the world there there is a threat oh what if ai takes over and what if human skills become redundant and because you've been in the ai and tech space and seen it so closely tell us what are some of the opportunities so what are some of the career options within ai and tech right you know i think uh, i think this is the best time to be an engineer in india you know engineering is practically the new mba and you know mujhe i often feel ki mujhe na aaj ke din mein engineering pass karna chahiye then i should have passed engineering now there is a salary is going through the roof literally you know if you are a well deserving well trained engineer uh with who who has a, who has a who has technological depth even fresher level salaries are often crossing 50 lakhs per annum yeah so so it's, it's, it's a wonderful time to be an engineer you know it's a wonderful time to be a techie in india tech skills demand because obviously you know there's so many technology powered startups which are doing very well in india and you know, look at a fresh test uh you know made in india tech which has kind of taken the world by storm so to not yeah you know it's kind of this entire period of ai cloud big data um and now of course also blockchain is coming into the picture because of the rise of crypto these skills are you know are extremely important if you have to have a you know if you have to have a stand out career so i think our traditional degree is no longer enough you know because colleges are still lagging and i'm talking about even the iits you know we work very closely with all the premium campuses uh, across india and and i'm just kind of going on record and saying this even the largest and the best campuses and doing a catch up game you know the technology is evolving so fast you know so changing your syllabus at that pace becomes difficult you know there's a lot of bureaucracy in the indian educational system etc etc now what can students do so for students i think you know it is uh, is uh, of course you know you still need a traditional degree because um, uh, job most jobs in india still demand that but i believe this is a trend that is going to change all over the world it's going to be more skill based hiring so how you develop the skill you know can you do a google project can you do a side hustle can you you know can you work on an internship for a company uh, can you do some skill based learning so if you pick up the skills and you pick and you kind of develop in depth hands on experience in it there's nothing going to stand what are the top two the, skills a, what are the top two skills one would require in a tech ai related career uh so you know ai i think ai of course you know calls for a strong math- mathematical foundation uh because you know i think all your ai algorithms i have the statistical you know i have got a very strong statistical or a mathematical grounding to them so uh, you know good good head for numbers will be will be essential and second of course you know preliminary coding skill at least you know so um uh, while white hat junior might be overrated uh, might be you know kind of doing the push for coding too hard but i think preliminary coding skills uh, uh, if we have you know if we have that uh, we can marry good mathematics with good coding skills and you are all set to be an ai engineer as oh. simple as that nothing nothing okay what about creativity then Cre- well creativity in the sense see, see ai of course you know so so what is ai really if i, if I try to decode it um, you know uh, is basically simulating human intelligence right mm-hmm. so so i am able to look at a cat and say that this is a cat and i am able to look at a dog and say this is a dog now you are basically transferring the same intelligence to a machine and a machine is able to look at pictures or machine is able to look at objects and i'm giving you one example of it of course and the machine is able to identify a cat or a dog so for 
AI engineer, what what is the work that I'm doing on a daily basis? I'm basically trying to understand, you know, how how can image recognition happen, and I'm trying to transfer that same competency to a machine. Yeah, so I'm I'm developing models for it, right? Right. Now, one one aspect of it is how does human mind work, right? So I am I, I so you know there's a, there's an acquired learning, right? It's not that when I'm born I automatically know which is a cat and which is a dog, and I've been taught, right? So similarly, there's a machine learning phase that happens. This is called as machine learning. You you train a computer to say that you know this is a cat and this is a dog. After the training happens, then the then the machine automatically then there's a period of testing, and after that the machine automatically starts recognizing things on its own. Uh, so I think a very a, a very clear logical mathematical mind is important. Creativity, of course, you know creativity. I think any any career, you know any 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 career needs creativity. for you to do something different for you to even improve that model for you to build new applications of ai creativity of course comes in the picture the grounding as i said you know uh, strong mathematics and logic that is number one over that you know of course the layering of skills like a creativity like you know data driven thinking all those things and add the add the necessary layers to it to to determine the ai engineer you will be you know what, what is the, right is the problem with figuring out rimjim you know the problem with figuring out uh, is pretty much a problem for all young people in the early stages of their education figuring out what is it that i should be taking up figuring out what is it that i should be building my career in figuring out what is it that you know i should be looking at from a you know as as an entrepreneur from a job point of view how does one figure out yeah, so see again you know uh, there there is one part of it that technology can help you solve there's another part of it is which is your own conviction and your own belief i believe i and i strongly believe this you know though i call myself a techie i believe that tech or ai are not the solutions are not silver bullets they cannot solve all problems for you so there's a part of it that you yourself have to figure out you know so so what is it that you want to do now where can technology and ai also help you then i can help you assess you know are you really good at what you want to do you know is uh, if you are if you are going on that path what are your chances of success what is the chance of getting a particular job what is your what is your fitment score to particular jobs or particular companies that you are trying to build your careers in so it can give you that data it can help you get give that data to you regularly basis which you know if you are a very data driven or very organized person you can use that data to improve yourself so this is where technology assess, assessments reporting can help you the figuring out is something that you have to do you know my my machine algorithm can tell you that you are extremely suited for a career in data science you know uh, this is what your network is doing right now your 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 capability fitment to jobs like this is 95% but you might have in your mind that you know i i though you have not probably written a word till now but you were a lot of ideas in your head and you want to be an author and how can a machine override and tell you no no don't be an author be a data scientist and make you miserable so the final call has to be taken by you so there's no magic bullet that can automatically tell you ki agar ab aap you you don't be an author now and you be a data scientist then only you will be happy machines cannot predict happiness or you know your success that is something that has to come from within uh what where you know algorithms can help you is probably you know, help you figure out can help can help you give you some direction yeah whether or not the direction of course up to you <laughs> uh you know the uh, another interesting thing that i found in your career trajectory is which you also partly mentioned is how you moved from being a professional to then an entrepreneur and now an investor 
Rimji, when someone sort of transitions from being an entrepreneur to being an investor and really putting their heart, soul and their money into someone else's project, what does it take to transition from that A to B? You know, there was this one time when you were probably on the other side of the table and now you're on the other side of the table. So, so you know, you are, you're right. You change the side of the table you were on. So that's the first transition that I did. And uh, How I hard is that? I think uh, I think being an investor is easier than being an entrepreneur. Really? <laughs> much easier. Much easier. Uh, I think, you know, anyway, having said that, uh, I think most entrepreneurs should turn investors. Okay. And as entrepreneurs, we understand the challenge and the life cycle of entrepreneurship much better. You know, so there was this conversation I was having on LinkedIn the other day. So the problem with startups often is, you know, you have a lot of non-entrepreneurs giving you advice. You know, you wouldn't want to go and learn swimming from a non-swimmer. Mm-hmm. So to learn startup building from a non-entrepreneur. I don't know. It's a controversial statement I'm making here. So that's why, you know, I think there's a, there's a level of comfort that goes up, you know, when, when entrepreneurs turn investors. Hmm. Um, I they think know, as because they've seen what it is to be one. Yeah. So, you know, so, so, so all those questions, right? How will you show this action? You know, sometimes, you know, there are questions from investors that you might resent. You know, you kind of think, that why are they not seeing what I, I am able to see? Yeah. And I think entrepreneur, nine times out of ten, you are able to empathize with another entrepreneur better. Okay. But, you know, this is a team. I'm seeing this product. I'm seeing how the path that they have crossed. I'm seeing the strength of this idea. And having walked that same path, you're probably able to kind of take more intuition-based judgment. But having said that, of course, you know, a lot of investment is hard science. It's not all intuition. Uh, you have to look at, you have to look at obviously at the financial angle of it because there's so much, you're putting in money, you know, either it's a, it's a, either, either you're built, built up an angel fund or you're putting in your personal money. It's money that is going out, right? So you have to do, so obviously along with that intuition, along with that empathy, you also have to have that head for numbers. You need to have, understand things like valuation. You need to understand how, you know, terms like your pre-money valuation, post-money valuation. You need to understand how equity works. Of course, the fact is that, you know, you are, you start understanding most of these terms when you have turned an, uh, turned an entrepreneur and you've started going out for investment. So these are that you kind of have already learned as an entrepreneur. Now it's just that you've flipped the role and you're sitting on the other side of the table. Pele, you were asking, Mujhe itna valuation do. now you are probably telling the entrepreneur, this is the, this is the valuation you should get. And that is how the conversation is going with you. Rimjim, I want to know uh, what achievement means to you. I think achievement means the ability to keep your loved ones happy. And over time, I think, you know, I've, and, and it's probably it's a mellower realization that has, been, that has come over time. Uh, that material success alone, alone cannot be achievement. An achievement is the ability to keep people, keep yourself and the people around you happy. And if I extend that, you know, beyond my immediate family, beyond people I love, beyond people who are important to me, is the ability to make a strong impact once that strong impact in at least one person's life, you know. If uh, because of me, my family is smiling, if because of me, you know, 10 people are smiling, I'll consider myself successful. Lovely. Thank you so much for sharing that. And, and so lovely speaking to you, to more women like you and more power to you. Uh, lovely having you on the show, Rimjim. Uh, thank you so much, Yashika. Thanks for tuning in. Feel free to share your thoughts and feedback in the comment section. Do rate us 
on Apple Podcasts if you like the episode. Subscribe or hit follow Voice of Achievers on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Hubhopper, Spotify, GeoSavan, Ghana or wherever you get your podcasts from. Send us an email on editor at voiceofachievers.com or find us on voiceofachievers.com to share guest suggestions or topics that you'd like us to cover. Don't forget to tune in next week again. Voice of Achievers on EP Log Media.